We would be honored if you would join us. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Dungeon Crawlers, where we have our wonderful guest, author R.A. Salvatore, or Bob Salvatore, however you know him, uh, to talk about his latest couple of novels. I mean, we've got Glacier's Edge coming out here in August, and The Tao of Dritz coming out in September. Um, There's a giant list of things we'll be talking about, because there's a lot of cool stuff happening in the world of Bob Salvatore. Uh, But, you know, the, just a couple changes we're doing with the show. We're just going to kind of announce ourselves because some people are new to the show and don't know all of our voices. So, uh, you know, this is Daniel. And then we've got... Krebs, I have been here long enough that if you don't know me, shame on you. And I'm going to pass it to my real-life brother, my bro- my brother IRL. This is Matai, the other Krebs. And, of course, our esteemed guest, Bob Salvatore. Hello. So thanks, thanks for <laughs> returning to the show. It's always... Uh, a great pleasure to have you on the show to talk about writing, life, and, of course, these amazing novels that I have way too many of. But that's not a problem. The only people that hate me are are, are Krebs because he has to plug those when I have to move. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I hate you because, like, you knew the greatness of R.A. Salvatore before I did. And because of that, you got a jumpstart on your collection. And I'm over here like a freaking plebe with, like, almost <laughs> nothing and just, like, salivating. Like, you're actual friends with Bob, and I'm over here at the risk of fanboying. And uh, <laughs> I don't know where Matthias sits, but uh, I I absolutely adore I, uh, your work, sir. I am basking in the wonderment. It's been an incredible journey, I gotta tell you. Yeah, I it's it's been an amazing journey just to read. Uh, I mean, put aside all the other series that you have, uh, you know, like Demon Wars and the Crimson Shadow and stuff like that. But Dritz has been going on, if I remember right, we're going on 30 years now. Oh, more Almost than 40. That. Almost 40. 40. 40. Was, I'm sorry. You're right. This I'm would be a year. It would be 30. Next year is the official 35th anniversary. Okay. Yeah. Of But that's publication. I, I wrote them in 87. So wow. this is July of 87 is when I started The Crystal Shard and put Dritz in it. And so that'd be 35 years ago. And, and Dritz himself has evolved over the years. And we have, he's, I mean, he's lost friends and loved ones. Um, some have, you know, I mean, he's kind of lucky. Some of those have come back. Um, and, but at the same time, you know, as we've seen in the past uh, trilogy, even though uh, a, a lost loved one comes back, there's still some, some difficulties with that. Uh, you know, with, Glacier's Edge in that. Uh, what was, because I know you don't like telling what the story is or what's going on. <laughs> what was kind of the focal point? What was the, the message you wanted to express in, that, in this book? Well, it's the second book on the trilogy. And those are yeah. usually the slower books. And I didn't mm-hmm. want to do that. So what I really wanted to do in this book was um, something I haven't been able to really do all that much lately because of the side stories taking over each book is, is, um, a gigantic multi-choreographed battle. Um, mm. And this one has one of the best I've ever done. I'm sure of it. And wow. Because, because you know, the next book is, is going to be the Civil War in Menzo Baranzan. I'm not there this book. Mm. Um, it's, I wanted to get the companion, I'll call it the Companions Plus. And I wanted to bring everything together for that for 
a gigantic climactic war in in one place at one time had a fun time doing it too <laughs> unlikely heroes expected heroes it's all there <laughs> nice i this is i mean this is exciting uh i mean we've kind of seen over the last few books the threads being pulled uh, especially menzo baron's end where things are changing you know in the early books the main houses really had an iron grip on things and now things are changing those threads are being pulled uh, well the main house created the greatest heresy right yeah yeah and so has decided loth is a witch that has to be rid of the main house in the city yeah so it's it's interesting where it, the story has traversed where it's been the strict devotion to loth and then you know uh house ben ray is now like nope she's got to go and now all this craziness is happening that's that's got to be fun to write as well as interesting to have these characters kind of make this transition well in a fantasy setting menzo baron is really an example of a dictatorship that can't that doesn't end Mm -hmm. it's a closed society there's no escape I mean, what made Dritz unique is not that he wanted to escape. It's not that he tried to escape. It's that he tried to escape and didn't get killed right outside of Menzo Baron's on. That's what makes him unique. So you have a society that is under the iron fist and the propaganda, 24-7 propaganda of a demon queen. She's not going to die and leave it to her incompetent kid that maybe you'll be able to break the cycle. There's nobody else coming in to save you, and you can't get out. And you don't even know what's going on out there unless they tell you. You know, when I wrote that um, that poem for the Sleep Sound video that Benedict Cumberbatch read. Which was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. This is what they're taught from the beginning. Right. This is what the drow are taught that you can't go above. They'll kill you. There's no there's no rest up there. It's only down here in the safety. And so when people, you know, and that's why with everything going on, this is it's been in my mind from the beginning that what's going on in Menzo Baranzan is you have a it's not some draw or evil thing. It's that you have a society that has been captured by a dictatorial demon queen. Yeah. And they have no way to break her, her spell. And the people who go along with this dictator, who go along with the corruption, who go along with the, the vileness are the ones who are rewarded the most. So you have, you have all the commoners in men's barons on, they're just trapped. And they have no understanding of what's different outside of their boundaries, which is why, you know, someone like Jarl Axel going up and taking over Luskin and then trying to rule the city so that they want him to rule the city as opposed to being like this tyrant lord. Yeah. Or Dritz escaping and surviving. Uh, so just really quick, how many books have you written about Drist? and his people and his adventures and his companions. How many books have we gotten to at this point in, in history? Okay. I think the one I'm working on now, just of the core Dritz books is number. Well, that would include the cell swords with Charles Axel and the Trary would be 39, 39, I think. And then we have the collected stories, mm-hmm. you know, the anthology. And then we have uh, one eyed Jacks, the, the audible original novella. And then we have the Stone of Tomorrow trilogy that I wrote with my son that are drift, kind of drift side stories and the Clara Quintet. So 
you know, add them up. That's like 40, 49 different things. <laughs> You're right. I have about 48 books I have to read. And, and I have every one of them. And, I, <laughs> and the reason I ask that is because, I, again, I'm, I'm completely... I'm very new to the world of Drizzt. I, I've, I have read through the Crystal Shard, but uh, not the whole series. Um, and uh, for those people who are listening who are fascinating with your contributions to the world of D&D and, and Forgotten Realms and, and have heard of or seen or in some way know about Drizzt but aren't as well-versed as some Daniels I know, uh, <laughs> could you give us a could, – could, are you able to give us like a verbal primer that – gets us at least to the book prior to Glacier's Edge? Because you said Glacier's Edge is the second of a trilogy. Therefore, is, is Dao of Drist the third in the trilogy then? No. Dao of Drist, in, in all of the Drist books, well, first I wrote the Crystal Shard series. That was uh-huh. the first trilogy I wrote. And then they asked me to go back and do a prequels. This was before Star Wars made prequels, I think. I just want yes. to point that out. Yeah. You did it, it before like it was cool. Nine, it was like 1989. And they said, um, you know, people want to know where this guy comes from. So... I decided I would start each section of the book as I break them up into three or four parts, sometimes even five. I would start that with an essay by Drift. And those essays became their own, like they have their own life. I get emails about them all the time. Some people hate them, think he's being preachy. Other people realize he's talking to himself. He's not telling them anything. He's trying to make sense of the world for himself. And they love those. Mm-hmm. So I've been getting letters for 20 years. Can you put all of his essays together? in one like journal and that's the Tao of Drizzt. Glacier's Edge is the second book. Starlight Enclave was the first and the third book is, I don't know if they've said the title yet. So this may, you might be breaking news here, <gasps> but I can't tell you. So. Okay. There you, go. <laughs> you might be breaking news, but you won't. Yeah. No, because the title is perfect. The nice. title fits beautifully with the whole story of Drizzt. No, oh. leave it at that. It's just perfect. The series is the Dritz books are really kind of like uh, Sherlock Holmes, Indiana Jones, James Bond, right? Where I think you can pick up almost any book in the series and have fun with it. And that's what I've always been going for. But really, the breakpoints have been, you know, we had the first 10, 14, whatever, first like four sets. I think Thousand Orcs was a break point where a whole bunch of new people came on board because mm. that's when that's when Harry Potter was huge and the Tolkien movies were coming out. And they had orcs in the title, right? Oh, Perfect. And that Todd Lockwood cover for that book was just amazing, right? The wraparound cover with Dritz fighting a thousand orcs, essentially. And then I think we had fourth edition, which kind of it advanced the world a hundred years. And so Right from when they told us about that, Ed Greenwood and I, and I particularly, were plotting on how to fix it after mm-hmm. they realized that advancing the world 100 years was probably not the best idea they ever had. <laughs> and so I was plotting for the, the book called The Companions, which came out. And that's like another jump on point for people where you have the rebirth of, of some people with full consciousness who are trying to, it's almost like the companions is the book. That's like, if I knew then what I know now, when I was in junior high or high school, that's what the companions is. It's a way for people to evaluate what they've already done go back and start over again with what they know. Um, But it also advanced the story a lot because from the companions through the companions codex through homecoming, those, the next two trilogies, 
and then the, the series, the two series I've done with Harper Collins has all been leading up to next year's book, which will complete the cycle of the legend of Dritz, so to speak, full circle at the end of next year. Oh, wow. Nice. Um, I'm not saying it's the last book, but it's the, it completes that cycle yeah. of Dritz. I don't know what, I don't know if it's the last book or not. Honestly, I really don't. So you could start with Starlight Enclave. You could read Glacier's Edge without having read anything before. And I think you'll have a blast because these are all entirely beginning, middle and end stories. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sometimes with a cliffhanger at the end, right? At the end of the crystal. I've been doing that from the beginning because I wanted job security. So at the end of the (laughs) crystal shard, Bruna tricks Drist into going to help him find Mithril Hall. And Regis just walks into 10 towns, into one of the 10 towns and sees Adamus and Trary there. I didn't even know who Adamus and Trary was. I just wanted a really bad dude that would make people know, "Uh uh-oh, Regis is in trouble because this guy's looking for him and Regis is scared to death. That's how I do it. Yeah. No, I mean, that's the the great thing about all these books is, you know, they are little self-contained trilogies, so to say. You can just jump in, read that, and you're good. You don't have to invest in the entire series. You can just pick up a trilogy and go. And you have a fully contained story. But if you want more, you can go out and get more. I think the best thing for me, honestly, is that, you know, a lot of people started these books back when they came out and they're now in their 50s, 40s, 50s, 60s. Where yeah. I'm still still reading the new books as they come up. But every now and then they'll go back and they'll read them all over again and they'll find all kinds of different things in them that they hadn't seen the first time. Like the essays, man, I, I love those essays. I don't know why people are dogging those, but, you know, those essays throughout the years, there's times where they're just as poignant to myself as they are to Dritz going through them, it's it's easy to convert that to something going on in my life. So those have always been fantastic. Well, people, there are people who complain about everything. Come on. Yeah. yeah. They think Dritz <laughs> is preaching at them. He's not he's talking to himself. It's yeah. a journal. Yep. He's talking yeah. to himself. He's not he's not talking to you. He's trying to make sense of the world. He's not always mm-hmm. right either. Yeah. Quite often in those essays, he's wrong. Well, if, if I can jump on that for a second, I think oftentimes when people feel like they're being preached at, it's because something has resonated, something has pricked yes. at the inside, right? Like you say something and there maybe there's a little bit of guilt or shame or anger or bitterness about something. And so it, it may not have been directed at them, but they felt something. And that's sort of the whole purpose of of creating worlds is that you're exploring, even in these like alien, uh, these fantastical, these magical realms all we're really doing is exploring aspects of what real life is. And so what it's it's inevitable that at some point you're going to hit a chord inside of another human being. And if they have a negative reaction, that should be something that they should investigate further, not somehow, quote unquote, blame you, you know, blame a fictional character for preaching at them. What, how does that even work? You know, I think you put that beautiful, right? I mean, the... When I started writing, you know, I was 29 when I started writing professionally, but I actually started, I think I wrote Echoes of the Fourth Magic, my first book. It was 1982, so I was 23 years old. Um, but when I started really writing the Dritz books and really you know, quit my job, became a full-time writer type of thing, I was, you know, I was a young guy full of confidence and thought, full of energy and thought I had the answers. And, you know, as you get older, you realize you don't know anything about anything. 
And <laughs> the quest, the job of an author is not to give people answers. The job of an author is to get people to ask the questions of themselves, find their own answers, because it's going to be different answers for different people. Especially yeah. when you start talking about thing of, things like the meaning of life and what comes after you die and the meaning of religion and what place it has in your society and, and the meaning of community versus individuality. When you start touching on subjects like that, different people are going to have different opinions. Yeah. And absolutely. I almost feel I almost feel like I'm kind of an outcast now in that I accept other people's opinions. And I think that's <laughs> awesome to hear them if they're different than mine, because that's the only way I can grow. Now, there, that's a, uh, a unique and innovative concept, right? Uh, that didn't used to be so uncommon. But these days, it's like, if you disagree with me, it automatically paints the person as, as an enemy, or at least they accept you as an enemy. And it doesn't have to be that way, right? You know, there's an interesting phenomenon I've, I've witnessed with that is that people will say and act in ways online, especially in social media, that they would never do in person. Mm -hmm. Because in person, there is everybody has at least some degree of empathy, which leads us toward being polite, diplomatic, tactful. And it's like it, where you'd say, you know, I don't know that I agree with you. I think this instead. Uh, and on social media, that same sentiment is expressed as, you suck. This is awful. How could you? possibly think that they should tie you up by your heels and flog you exactly you know, it, it's it's just incredibly indecent behavior it's unacceptable called behavior. Spine, right yes yes and so when when somebody writes a book it comes from a place of passion this drives them enough that they wanted to form words to this idea and even more they wanted to put it out there to share with other people when someone picks up a book to read it it's because there's something in the teaser the cover the synopsis that speaks to them that tickled something that they said you know what i want to investigate this some more i want to see what's there and they may like it they may not like it whatever the reason there was some attractive force for both authors and readers that got them into into a book. And I think that, that we don't reverence that little seed of passion, that little bit of interest. It's like, if you were interested, but this turned out not to be something you, that, you, that you really liked, that's good. You've learned something and you can, you know, use that to refine your tastes in the future. But if you did like it, then it's like, this is great. You've added some joy to your life. The author yeah. experienced joy creating it. The reader experienced joy reading it. And not everybody's going to get the same joy from the same thing. But if we can celebrate the joy that maybe I didn't get, but somebody else did, or if somebody else celebrates the joy that I received from a movie or a book or something like that, does that not make our world a better place? He should have been on the show forever. That was great. <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> he's, one of, he's one of my favorite that's, people. It works spot out. spot on. Somebody once, you know, uh, I, I once told someone, I, I, I went up to guest teach a class. Terry Brooks was teaching a class in Southern New Hampshire College. I lived wow. near there. And he said, I want to come up and do a guest lecture for me on this day. I said, great. And I walked in there. And it was, this, these are wannabe writers. And, you know, the, the people just beginning, they're all excited and they're, they're ready to go. They're writing their book or maybe they've written their book and they're getting ready to publish it. This was many years ago before you could just self-publish like that. Right. And so the first thing I asked them, I said, who here has gone up and put a one star review of an author in the genre you're writing? And a bunch of hands went up and I said, Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody looked at me and I said, do you understand that writing a book? It's like being in the second grade and writing something you think is wonderful and then getting back the page with red marks all over it from the teacher. 
every day of your life. And you also understand that when you criticize a book, you're not criticizing the author. You are, but you're also criticizing everybody who found joy in that book. Yeah. Why do you think you're so smart? I came across a piece of media. There was this scene with Elizabeth Olsen that she's talking to a guy that she's on a date with, and he's one of those pedantic types. And they're having this discussion, and he keeps bringing up like sort of like highbrow um, collegiate literature that you read because you have to, not because you enjoy it. And he even mentions, he's like, you're not supposed to like it. And she was like, you think it's cool to hate everything, and it's not. It's boring. Yeah. She's like, it's talk boring. about what you love and shut up about the rest. And I was like, holy crap, someone wrote that. And it was brilliant because we've talked about this yeah. on the show where where the Internet, like like so many people in social media, especially like to hate things even before they've ever actually investigated it. They go yeah. into it with a negative mentality. And so what you just said, I mean, that's I had never thought of it in those terms, but I absolutely do agree that when when I find something that I love that so many people criticize all the time. <laughs> That it's like, but hang on, there's beauty there. There are gems there. There is worth there. And there were, there, there was one person or 10 people or 250 people who worked to bring this to life. It wouldn't exist without their effort. Isn't there something of value that you could find there that resonates with you? And so, you know, I understand that everyone has their own taste. It's okay to not like something. I'm okay with that. But there is something almost villainous in tearing something down. Well, I mean, you see it in all the IPs that have been long running, right? Um, Star Wars is notorious for it now. Uh, yes. Star Trek, yes. you see it in all of them. But I'll give you a perfect example of how we've even gotten worse now and why we're living in such an angry and crass society. Starlight Enclave has been planned for a long time, okay? That I knew I was going to have Dritz eventually or Dritz and his friends, eventually encounter a drow society that wasn't with loaf, okay? Because it's always been nurture, not nature, with yeah. the drow. They were trapped mm -hmm. by a demon. They learned from the demon over centuries, millennia even. So Starlight Enclave, I was, I was so excited because I got to create this whole new society at the North Pole of, this, of the world. And their lifestyle is very different because up there you can't survive the way you can survive in more temperate regions. It's all cooperation or you're all going to die. I had so much fun writing it and I loved it. And most of the people who read it loved it. But I noticed something different this time because I was curious because I was really upset. A couple of months before the book came out was when Wizards of the Coast decided that they were going to basically redo the, the Dark Elves, the drought. Mm -hmm. And they put out this whole big thing, kind of gave away the whole secret of the book. Mm. that they were going to find these different, which really did. I did not like that. I wanted yeah. people to experience this with the same shock that Jarl Axel and Caddy Bree and then Trary and Zach Nefane experienced it. I wanted them to go, holy crap, what is this? But they already knew. And because of that and because of social media and because of the constant harping of talk radio and cable news, if you look at the one-star reviews, and I have, for Starlight Enclave, they're mostly political. Mm -hmm. Because people thought I was putting forth a political agenda with the book. This book is a logical ex extension 
of Dritt's journey from the day he realized something's wrong here in Menzo Berenzan. And it was planned long before these, con- these new sensibilities of everybody fight about everything <laughs> came into play. Yeah. It's just a logical progression, long planned, but because it didn't organically go out, it became battleground. We have to fight. It, it's crazy to me. This whole thing is crazy to me. No, absolutely. Well, I mean, it, it's 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 a sad thing, um, you know, because it's the drow are a fascinating society. I've always thought they were, you know, but I always thought it was weird that, you know, we have all these humanoid races out there, but they're kind of pigeonholed that they're the bad guys. And yet because the perspective is from the other side. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so, but at the same time, we've seen elves that have just been just as bad and dwarves and, and so on. So it would only make sense that there is some faction of the drow that didn't get pulled under that still exist and that are good because they don't have look hanging over their heads. So that book was to me, it was it was exciting to see that, OK, there is another faction of drow out there that haven't been tainted. Yeah. And that they are working as a community and together and doesn't matter you know, what has happened, they are separate and individual and, and fantastic, which was really good to see. And, and Dritz isn't the singularity. He's he's just the one that was able to have enough courage and strength to get through, escape, get out of the Underdark, and find his own family that could support his views and his journey. I just drove across the country. Okay, I live in Massachusetts. I grew up in Massachusetts. I have a house in SoCal because I had kids on both coasts. So we bought a mm-hmm. house so we could go back and forth. We had to drive this year because our dog can't fly because he's old and he's got a heart condition. So we mm-hmm. said, let's drive. I had never driven across the country. Now, if you, if you look at the internet, you could identify states that if you just go by the internet that, you know, I could be in trouble going to these states, right? <laughs> you know? Well, we went across the country and it, we took a southern route. I was in Tennessee. I was in Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, you know, Texas, all the way across Texas. That's a long state. <laughs> <laughs> Arizona, New Mexico, California. And then, you know, the one common thing everybody we met in every store, whether they were wearing masks or not wearing masks, was awesome. Yep. Every person was friendly. Every person was helpful. Massachusetts plates, you're a long way from home. Yeah, we're going to California. Blah, blah. Oh, you know, good place to eat? Yeah, go over there. Best food in town. Blah, blah. Everybody we met, hundreds of people. Yep. You wouldn't think that if you just if you just lived your life by cable news and talk radio and the internet. At this point, I, I don't even listen to the radio when I'm driving. You know, I'll be listening to audiobooks. You should or... listen to graphic audio, Demon Wars. You <laughs> <laughs> have graphic audio. Definitely want to uh, talk about this because graphic audio always has a fantastic uh, presentation of the novels or the stories that they're, they're given. Um, it's definitely every character has their own unique actor or voice. And, you know, it's as their tagline is, it's a movie in their mind. And you have the Demon Wars being re-released. And I definitely yeah. want to hit on that because I love the Demon Wars series as well. And 
it's exciting to have this come out because, you know, it, I, I just love the way they do it. And sometimes they get a voice actor that's just spot on. That's that's the voice you heard in your head for that character. Yeah. Um, well, here's the thing. Audiobooks, when I first started with graphic audio with the Demon War books, audiobooks weren't that big because you had to buy the discs, right? You spent $100 on a book with like 13 discs or whatever. <laughs> And then you're going to lose one. And then what do you do? Right. Well, mm-hmm. obviously that entire uh, media has grown up and is so accessible and so easy now. And, you know, as someone with a huge backlist dating back to 1988, I can tell you that my, uh, I get paid four times a year on my backlist. The two that have the audio, the audible included, Mm-hmm. blow away the the other two the the audiobooks have just gotten enormous well graphic audio you know there's is different and the thing is they're also seeing differentiations in what they are like the demon war books are available have been available for years they were available graphic audio for years then they weren't because we did a straight reading one and there was no compete clauses and all that garbage and audible did a straight read of it with Tim Garad Reynolds, and he, he's fabulous. They're wonderful. That's the full book on a bridge being read by a, a professional act, a voice actor. And of course, I've been I've been incredibly fortunate to have Victor Bavine doing the Dritz books because yeah. Victor is the voice of Dritz. It's on his card, by the way. He showed me his business card. This is the voice of Dritz. Nice. He means. <laughs> yeah, in the I meantime, love voice. In the meantime, you have graphic audio, and they had done this wonderful job. And they do these incredible, they hire a cast, they direct it, and they do, and it's abridged, but it's, it's fantastic. They now will, they also distribute through Audible and came to an agreement between the three of us to allow Graphic Audio to remaster and put those back out again. And I was thrilled. And I'm really thrilled because I had recently acquired all the rights for those seven original Demon War books. Again, I think the seven original Demon War war books is uh, some of the best things i've ever done i just adore that world and it's my world i made the magic system i can destroy cities without having to get permission from game designers um <laughs> i can do whatever i want i love the world so um the timing is right i'm working on a new demon war series now i just finished the coven which i loved Arland, one of my favorite characters i've ever written and now i'm doing pirates in demon wars which is a logical extension of what happened in the coven yeah. At the end of the coven leaves the eastern part of the continent kind of almost as a colony. Mm-hmm. And so for a specific reason, and the pirates are fighting back against that reason. Yeah. So there's, I, I kind of want to just like unpack for a second, because for a moment there, we hit multiple things regarding demon wars that I just want to emphasize in case anybody missed it. Uh, one is you've got the re-release of Demon Wars via graphic audio and Audible. Uh, you have you mentioned that you're working on new Demon Wars books as well. Yeah. At Demon Wars, I love playing in a world where I already know the world. In the realms, I also know the characters. So it's almost like writing a new television season each year instead of writing a completely new book, right? Because you know a lot of the principles. In Demon Wars, it's a little different. I did a seven-book series back in the mid nineties to early post uh, millennial change, a millennium change. Um, 
the, like 95 to 2002, I did the seven books of Demon Wars and they're bigger books. They're, they're twice the size of a Dritz book. They define the world and the magic system and the church and the social structures of this part of this vast world. Okay. Then, and my plan was to define the world, build my own realms, if you will, and then go back and write more personal stories in it. And I did that with the Highwaymen, which is the, which are four books, the saga of the first king that I wrote in the early 2000s, which are more personal stories, but grow up to become the first unified. It's, it's when the Abelican church, which is primary in the Demon Wars, is in its infancy, 800 years before the Demon Wars books or 700, whatever it is. And it's also when the kingdom of haunts or the, or the land of haunts, that was a bunch of warring kingdoms, became a unified kingdom that you see in the in the Demon Wars books that I had written after. So it's a prequel that shows you where the world came from in the original series. And it's got one of the best protagonists in Branson, the Highwayman, that I think I've ever written. Uh, uh, love the series, love, love the character. Uh, and I've, I've gotten some feedback on him that goes way beyond writing because he's, um, he's, he's very challenged and only magic allows him to, to get through life in the way he, he sees in his head. Um, so that series is there, four books, the seven original books. Then a couple of years ago, I wanted to go back to the world. And I was actually on a trip out West. And um, I was on top of a mountain looking back at a lake. And, and I said, I got to write a series here. And so I created this plateau in the Western part of the world, out, off past the Wilderlands and Demon Wars and created the Coven series which is using the same magic, but differently as the monks are using in the original Demon Wars series. I like that. Um, you know, yeah. And, and the witches do it out there, the, the coven and Owlin is one of them. That series got bigger than I thought it would when the actions of the first book basically opened up the prophecy to the people living on the West coast of the, of the continent that it was time for them to make their empire go see the sea again. So we've got the, the Demon Wars world. I start over here. I put something in the middle and it bleeds out to the West and the whole thing comes together over the course of, and that, that would be the 10 books, the original and the coven. The Highwayman tells you where the original came from. So that's 14 books. And now hmm. I'm writing three more. And these will follow directly after the events of the end of the cup, when things start going sour on what the deal they had. And you have a, a colonial society that's in trouble and pirates are, are going to fight back. And I'm having, you know, it, it's it, everything I do rhymes with our history to some extent, but puts a, a, a spin on it with magic kind of inverts sure. some things, yeah. messes things up. But the cultures make sense because they rhyme with what we know is true in our own history. And so, you know, when I'm, when I'm done this series, I'll if I get through all three books, getting old, if I get through all three, um, <laughs> <laughs> there'll be 17 Demon Wars books and a novella that I had, uh, 14 are done. Um, the 15th is done, but it's not edited yet. The 16th is half done. And the seventeenth comes next. And the best That's part, my Demon uh, Wars world. And there's also yeah. an RPG that 
I, so I, I was going to say that. The best part is if you want to explore the, the lands, there's a great RPG system for it. That, I got I to take that and convert it to 5e. I think I yeah. can get some people to turn that to 5e. I, I don't think it would be too hard, to be honest. No, it wouldn't. But the system itself, as it is, is a lot of fun. What yeah. system is it in right now? Is it 3, 5, or 4? It's Demon Wars. Yeah, it's they actually, he, him and his, his son actually created it, if I remember mm. right. Both oh, my sons. Okay, okay, so it's it's a stand. My son is a game. My oldest son is a game designer. Works on one of the major games in the world. He's kind of the lead on it now. Um, my younger son was a narrative designer at Thirty Eight Studios. He's worked. He just worked with me with Cryptic again on some quests. Nice. Um, so my kids, my kids are game designers. As you were talking about it, my assumption was that it was like a modular set of source books for D and D. No, it's, no, so, it's, but it's a system. It's a standalone. You, you build system. your character. You have. You have. It's based on. The primary game is based on the monks. So you have, you can be one of four disciplines in the monks. You can be a, a disciple of St. Avalyn who knows how to use, charge up these gemstones and use them to create big explosions or whatever. Mm-hmm. You can be a disciple of St. Belfort, who's kind of the tank, if you will, in the, in the classic party sense. He's the guy that can take a lot of damage, mitigate a lot of damage, protect people next to him. It's active defense in this game. You have different you have different like resources, hit points, mana, uh, what's it called focus, hit points, focus, mm-hmm. and balance. And then you can be a disciple of Saint Gwendolyn. It's kind of the the utility character that can restore balance to people on his side, take balance away from the people you're fighting. So it becomes a strategy cooperative fighting game when you're in that part of it. And that's Sounds when really it really cool. sinks. And then the fourth one is the striker. He's the, he's the, he's the DPS melee guy, if you will. Yeah. And he can do like extra damage, take extra swings, spend balance to do more damage. Um, it, and, it's, and then you also have, you also have different kits for like the rogue classes. They don't use the same, they don't use the same pools at all. They play differently. They have packets and, and the night class. That's more armor dependent and shield dependent. And we built this system and it, we played it for years. We only reason I stopped is because I had to learn 5e. So we started playing 5e, which is really good. Yeah. Uh, if you have a good, you have to have a good DM to play 5e. Otherwise it becomes a math game. Now the news with Demon Wars doesn't stop there either because we were talking before the show and you made some mention of uh, hope for a Kickstarter in the near future. Yeah, I got, I got the book. I have the books back. Um, I bought them back, what was left, um, and I own all the rights. And the audio is still there, the Audible. The graphic audio is now out again. It's like 117 hours of theatrical Demon Wars entertainment or something like Some ridiculous amount of time, but it's it's worth it, I think. I, I love graphic audio. Um, and the, 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 the readings by Tim Gerard Reynolds are still out there. Um, but to come back with a print book, because I, I really... I really want to do that. I want to people to have, to me, to me, hardcover books are a piece of furniture mm-hmm. and I'm proud of the Moore's and I want to see those seven Moore books on somebody's bookcase. So I'm, I'm thinking of doing Kickstarters to do very high end and high end, high quality hardcover books, maybe including some other goodies in the Kickstarters as well. I've only done one Kickstarter that was for the, the game, which was pretty successful. And enjoyed doing it quite a bit so i've, I've got i've built some partners in, in terms of who can help me get this done and i'm hoping to kickstart the demon wars books and bring them back if, if i'm being 100 percent honest like i realize i i am 
simultaneously a gadget geek, like I'm so into tech and, and in recent history, I've gotten into reading on Kindle as opposed to a physical book, but I am a sucker for a well-crafted, well-presented book you can keep on your shelf. One of my one of my all-time favorite books ever written is a book by uh, William R. Forstian called One Second After, the premise of which is an EMP goes off and destroys all modern electronics. So anytime I find myself sucked into my phone because I prefer, you know, some experience there as opposed to like a tactile analog feel, or if I'm on my Kindle as opposed to a real book, I can't... I can't help but think to myself, yeah, but what if the MP happens? And so, like, <laughs> I have to, I have to, like, find myself buying the books and putting them on my shelves. And like you're saying, like, you're, you said uh, a book is kind of like a piece of furniture. It is. It's, it is a practical, tactile piece of art that you can keep in your home in perpetuity. It's a statement of who you are. Yeah. People come in your house and they see what books are on your shelves and you're telling them who you are. Yes. You know, you're, you're right. Which is why so many people buy the, the classics that they're never going to read, but they want people to think that's who they are. <laughs> that's 100% true. It's like, yeah, someone, what's the best movie ever made? Susan Kane. Yeah, when's the last time you watched it? Never. <laughs> never years ask old. Me, ask me what the best movie ever made is. It's American Graffiti by George Lucas. <laughs> so there. You know, I, I like your, your previous point. When my wife and I were, were moving into this house and setting up all of our furniture, I said, okay. And then the, these, these bookshelves, these really nice bookshelves, they've got to go in the front room. And she goes, but why? There's, it's, it's not that big, and we want to have a place for people to sit. I said, yeah, and they're going to be sitting in the couch that's directly across from the bookshelf because i got to display all these books uh, that we've got up there, right? Um, and so, yeah, when, when people come in, they're going to see this spectrum of all these different interests. They'll, they'll look at the book titles and see your authors and see the topics and, and things like that. And it's like, oh, it immediately gives you an idea of, of who the person is that you're talking with. Absolutely. And for me, you know, Demon Wars is, I'm going to be known for Dritz and Killing Chewie, right? <laughs> this is what I do. Spoilers, Bob. No. Oh, yeah. At this point, if it's a spoiler, you're not a fan. Yeah, it's anyway. been like two <laughs> um, that's, that's what I always say. After a certain period, I'm like, if this is a spoiler, yeah. I ain't got tears for you. <laughs> See, every author goes through this if you have a successful series, right? Terry Brooks did Shannara. Yeah. Shannara. Sorry, Terry. Don't say Shannara. <laughs> he gets really mad. Um, and then they do other books that they know they really nailed it and no one will give them a chance or they'll give them a chance to a certain level. And that's my Demon Wars books. And I tell people, I pull them by the nose and say, go read this. Just just try it. And they come back and, and ask them afterwards. And, and more than way over half will say, it's the best thing you've ever done. So I, I, I realize this lead has been buried a bit, but just forgive me for bringing this back up. Uh, so the original seven Demon Wars books as individual Kickstarters, what's the chance, what's the likelihood that we're going to see that happen? It, the easier route for me would be to give the books to a company like Open Road Media. Open Road took my, they bought my Crimson Shadow books, which is kind of cool because the, the, the woman who runs Open Road or the main editor, I don't really know her title there. Uh, Betsy Mitchell was actually the editor on the Crimson Shadow books. And when she did Open Road, she said, hey, can, can we do the Crimson Shadow books and bring them back? And I'm like, yep. And now they just did Spearwielder's Tale and they're bringing them back. And they do a great job with it in paper and ebook. But I want to do a little higher level before I go that route. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. And then the other thing is that, you know, I have publishers, Demon Wars is still current. So maybe Saga who are doing my new 
Demon Wars books will want the the old Demon Wars books eventually. But what I want to do with the Kickstarters is high end, like I said, high end hardcover and regular hardcover. Yeah, which won't be won't happen from any, anywhere else because they just don't do that anymore because the the it, it's too hard to get the printing. It's too it's too expensive for the publishers. It's too much work for them to make it work in their giant marketplace. But in the right. niche marketplace, like a Kickstarter, it works very well. Yeah. So I think it's going to happen. I've, I'm going to be talking more about it with the person that I'm going to partner with to do it because I'm not shipping all that stuff. Um, it's a lot of work. Kickstarters are a lot of work. They are. Um, you know, I remember when, uh, you know, the one that, of course, the one that everyone was talking about was Brandon Sanderson's, right? $30 million or whatever. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. And now Brandon and his team are going to have to ship almost 300 packages a month, every month of the year for the entirety of 2023. And boy, that's going to be a lot of work. Yeah, they got a good staff there. I think they can. Oh, I'm it. sure. Brandon, Brandon, this didn't happen by accident. Brandon's, no, no. Brandon's, <laughs> Brandon's a champ. He knows what he's doing. He's been building yeah, he this does. for a long time. His support team, the people he trusts. I don't know of any other author that, any other, a guy like me or any of the other authors I know who did a Kickstarter, if it ever got to that level, we'd be screwed. <laughs> <laughs> No, Brandon I mean, was ready for it. I love Brandon. I, yeah. I, I admire his work ethic. And yeah. I mean, he's still out there signing books at every bookstore he passes. He'll stop oh, and yeah. sign them and put it up on the internet. He's just a machine. Yeah. About that Even if it's uh, one of the, uh, the airport bookstores, he'll stop yep. and he sees books. He'll sign. It, Absolutely. Absolutely. Brandon is, um, I was like that when I was young and strong. I'm old now. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon can go to the airport and sign. I'll take my my uh, Grey Goose Martini and sit by my pool. Sorry. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but yeah, he he can pull it off. But think about think about what they have to accomplish to get that done. It's, oh yeah. It's my, he's he's basically just built a publisher. Yeah. It's pretty cool, actually. Yeah, it is. It's it, it's pretty amazing what he's accomplished, especially because he runs a ton of it just like out of his garage. But but no. he's he ain't running it. this one out of his garage. No, <laughs> technically he bought the house next door and that's the entire office and warehouse. Yeah, his second house, his garage. That's what I just said. What are you guys talking about? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. Uh, all right. So well, I'm happy for him because he's, yeah. he's got the right he's got the right support staff. He's earned it. He's earned every bit of this. Yes. Not just with talent, but with hard work. Takes yep. both. As you well know, right? Like I mean, gosh, writing books since nineteen eighty seven, this is pretty phenomenal. So to kind of kind of put a button on our day together, we've talked about Glacier's Edge, which comes out next week. We talked about uh, we touched on Dow of Drist, which comes out in September. The re-release of Demon Wars graphic uh, audio uh, on it's both now. It, it's out there. Yeah, it's out. Oh yeah, it's out there now. You can get it yep, on it Audible is. or GraphicAudio.com. Uh, you've got new demon wars books in the hopper that you're working on right now and the original seven demon wars books you're hoping to revitalize and and to bring back in into our lives in a high quality published format via kickstarter which i think is super hot because between seven books and the three hosts on this show you've already got 21 pledges so (laughs) (laughs) so we're good there uh and the spear wielders tales are coming back via Open Road Media, who brought the Crimson Shadow trilogy back as well. Spearwell Distills is my autobiography. 
Except I wasn't kidnapped by a leprechaun. I was kidnapped by a hobbit. It's nice. <laughs> it really is that the, the main character in that was me working in the plastic factory and playing softball and driving Sweet. a Mustang GT and having fun. That's so I'm happy. Awesome. Things are good. So, Things are good so folks at home, if you're not sure what to read next, pick up one, any one of the like 60 books that Bob <laughs> has written in the time it's taken you to live a little bit of life or even be born sometime in the last two decades. It's 67 and counting. 67 <laughs> plus or minus. He's not going to stop till he hits 100, y'all. And even then, it's not a guarantee. He is or books? <laughs> Both at this rate. Okay. <laughs> Bob, you are so amazing. You're such a pleasure to have on the show. You're, thank you. Yeah. It's fun being here. And thank you. Uh, I Just as a, as a nerd, as a fellow geek, thank you so much very deeply from the bottom of my heart for the worlds that you have created that we can use to um, not only have fantastic experiences, but also to kind of take an introspective look at ourselves and find new ways to bond with each other. You, you the things that you create are nothing short of magnificent and magnanimous. Thank you, Thank you very much for all that you do for us. Oh, this has been my journey and I've enjoyed every bit of it. <laughs> All right, Dungeon Crawlers, if you want your own signed copy or put a special message for uh, a loved one or friend, go to rasalvastore.com and you can jump on that. Uh, check out the Demon Wars in graphic audio form because they do a fantastic job and it's a great story. Uh, I'm super excited. Keep your eye out for the Kickstarters coming with the new high-end fancy uh, covers which means i just have to buy more books and my shelves are probably going to be made of metal soon uh but definitely uh pick up glacier's edge which will be out august 9th and then dow of Dritz in september if you're going to be at gen con definitely uh probably i'm sure bob will be at some place there posted uh, my schedule on yep. twitter and on my facebook pages there it is follow bob and say hi i'm sure he'll he'll be more than happy to do so it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. It's, it's, it's exciting. I know we talk a little bit about book, but there's always so many great messages about life and writing and everything when you come on. So I appreciate it as always. Uh, and, and of course, you can always check out more of our episodes on DungeonCrawlersRadio.com or check out our social media pages. Uh, just look up Dungeon Crawlers Radio or DCR Show on Twitter. Uh, with that said, we'll catch you next time and always choose the high ground. Hey, Daniel. What? Something amazing happened on this hike I went on recently. I was walking through this wooded area and I saw a lizard standing on his hind legs telling these hilarious jokes. And I said, you're one funny lizard. And you know what he said? He said, I have no clue. I'm no lizard. I'm a stand up chameleon. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh, no. That did me physical harm. He's living up to the shirt. <laughs> he is living up to the shirt. Oh, wow. And whether you are deep, deep, deep in the Underdark with Drist, or if, like me, you've only read a couple books and you're hoping to catch up soon, always remember to be epic and don't suck. Remember, the Force will be with you always. Always.